It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Anthony D'Alessandro. And this is the Deadline Podcast, Hero Nation. Today, we'll continue to assess Disney Plus Day, how Netflix is blowing ratings out of the water, and we'll talk with the star of Disney Plus Marvel's Hawkeye, Haley Steinfeld. Okay, so we're going to talk Disney Plus, obviously, when we talk Hawkeye, but I still feel that there's a blast radius from that Disney Plus Day of last week. It's like Even in retrospect, it even looks thinner than it was to begin with. And especially getting the feeling that we're seeing a sea change happening over at the House of Mouse. What they actually were throwing up on the screen was a lot of a lot of bobbles and a lot of look over here. And, you know, my theory, a lot of it had to do with Disney stock. But um, it was interesting to see no Bob Shapak, no Bob Iger, a lot of other top level people gone. Cream Daniel, obviously there. But it was interesting how they had Kevin Feige, they had Kathleen Kennedy, they had the Pixar chief. It was like they were pulling out the governors of California, New York, and Texas and kind of showing a more decentralized system, or certainly one that more decentralized publicly, whereas before it was almost always the Bob Iger show. What do you think about that? Do you think that they're bringing the silos forward because Shapak realizes that's where the power is? Well, I think basically who are the best people to talk about what's going on in their individual fiefdoms, but, you know, the individual franchise chiefs themselves. Um, Look, you know, man, Disney Plus Day did not help. The last time their stock was above $180, Dom, was September 17th when it was when it closed at $183.47. Since then, it's 15 percent down. Last I checked, it was at a hundred, just over one hundred and fifty-five dollars. Yeah. So it really- and that's and that's down. That's down almost two percent right now from what it was yesterday. So you know, here's the down thing. is down. Despite having this global subscriber count that's well over a hundred million, dude, they are still young. How so? Well, you've got Netflix putting out their own ratings now yeah, in numbers of hours on a weekly basis. Not only that, let me, here's another stat to blow your mind. So Red Notice, as we, as we well know, was their most watched movie ever over the, you know, over the weekend. Isn't, by uh, the way, can I just point out, isn't any movie that literally has like the three biggest movie stars in the world, isn't that like going to be the most watched movie ever? That's what I was going to say. And they spent $200 million on this. It better be the most watched movie exactly. of all I mean, time. This, this thing is like, if we don't land on the moon, don't come home. But here's the thing. Despite Netflix reporting that, uh, that Red Notice clocked 148.7 million hours separately, Samba TV, which measures terrestrial TVs in home, streaming viewership on that, said that over the weekend in the United States, 
Red Notice was watched by 4.2 million households. Now, while that might not seem like an enormous number, it is more than any other HBO Max debut and more than any other Disney Plus debut. I mean, for the, the five-day premiere of Loki, according to Samba, was 2.5 million. Yeah. And that's a lot for Disney Plus. Soul, in its first weekend, had 2.4 million households. But, uh, but I, you know, the thing is, though, you know, I used to do the ratings full-time for Deadline. And, um, you know, over the time that I started doing that, I think it was about 2013 I started, you saw the decline of the importance of broadcast ratings, except when they had bragging rights. If they had a big special, you know, Harry and Meghan, Adele most recently, Super Bowl numbers. And, of course, we've seen the decline of award shows. But it always... And I know some of the some of the broadcasters have taken the Nielsen to task, feeling that they're not modernizing with how people really watch things, i.e. on their phones, tablets, et cetera, et cetera, and in groups. But those numbers for the most part, those Nielsen 18 to 49 and, and P2, P plus numbers were always seen as viable and reliable. And I feel like when we're talking streaming numbers, you know, it's just, it feels so made up. Like it, it's, it's as if we're saying, well, I'm being transparent, but I'm not showing you everything. And I, I feel often like when we talk about streaming numbers, we're talking about Russian democracy. Yes, <laughs> on paper, it's a democracy in Russia. There's a parliament called the Duma. You vote for them. There's a president. You vote for them. But everybody in the world knows it's not a democracy. It's a rigged system. And the vote is going to go exactly the way Putin wants it to go, give or take. Right? That is a that is extremely fair to observe. We do need a better third party metric and getting streaming data from Nielsen four weeks later and in billions of minutes. It's like I don't know how to decipher that. Nobody I does. Will. And it doesn't mean anything because no, nobody. I mean. I've often used my Nana trick. My grandmother's one hundred and three next year. I run things by my Nana vaccines, for instance, she pointed out polio ended the discussion, of course, you're going to take a vaccine and many other things. If you try to explain billions of minutes to my Nana, who's a very, very smart lady, she would just look at you like, why are you talking crapology to me? Like, what does that mean to me? Like, who watched what? And I feel like you throw these numbers out. CBS did it most recently, but the streamers do it all the time. And I don't want the I don't want the self-interested telling me how good they're doing, because I feel like, well, of course, that's your discussion. So. Do the other thing. Tell me how crappy you're doing. Tell me about the shows that bottomed out. Tell me about the shows that went nowhere fast. Instead of what you see, and we're using Netflix as the as the as the the poster boy for this, but they're all guilty of it. Um, instead, tell me like why you decided to cancel this show. What was the thing that did it? What was the really the thing that pulled the plug on it? That's the element of this. You can't be transparent half the time. It's only it's it's not a kind of well I'm cherry picking and that's what's happening here and it undermines the whole thing. So to me it just seems like well this is an exercise in self interest and to some degree futility. Well I'm curious though despite all that if they've come up with a new metric here because Tim it's funny while I can't comprehend billions of minutes I can understand millions of hours and what that tells me what's built into that is repeat viewing and binging. Uh, now, I, I don't know who yeah, but, but let me add another element to that because we're twice. talking about streaming. Yeah. So let's talk about the surf and the wander. When you go on to Netflix or Amazon or Hulu or Paramount Plus or HBO Max or Apple, all the rest of them, 
unless you know exactly, like I'm going to watch Finch right now, right? With you know, you usually go on and kind of whip around a little bit. And I don't know about you, but I tend to, you know, watch a trailer, maybe watch a few minutes of something if the trailer attracts me, and then I back out and stuff like that. So I need a sense of the metrics in the full scope of them. And the full scope has to show me is where are people dropping off? Where are people leaving? What are people disinterested in? When you get Nielsen ratings for broadcasters, you get them by the half hour. In actual fact, you can get them by the 15 minutes. There's a breakdown. You could watch a football game, for instance, and you can tell watching the ratings when interest peaked. You can tell when people started phoning their friends and being like, oh my God, the Cowboys are surging back. You got to see this. Suddenly there's a rush of people like watching a certain move because something's happening in real time. They're not doing that. The metric is nice. It's fancy. It's shiny. It looks like they're being kind and opening and telling you more. I've seen politicians do this all the time. I will not invoke the name of the former Celebrity Apprentice host, but you know what I mean? Transparency is not something you get to dabble in. You either do it or you don't. So Mm -hmm. if they're going to play this game, then I want to see some sort of Hollywood Freedom of Information Act invoked where we can ask directly for the numbers and get them. And as I said, I want to see the crap numbers as well as the success numbers. Great to tell me how Red Note is blew the blew the wigs off everyone. That's awesome. But tell me about what bombed out. Tell me about what suffered against it. Again, if you're going to look at network ratings, if if CBS had that awesome Adele interview with Oprah, who who took a hit over on ABC or how did football get affected at all on NBC or did Fox just like walk away from that night? Whatever. You got to show me some contrast. Otherwise, you're just living in a vacuum and it's a very carefully selected one. And to that, before we go talk to our wonderful Hawkeye and Dickinson um, star, I want to talk very briefly about Disney Plus Day because I'm thinking about this more and more. And there's one thing that keeps coming back to me is there was the earlier part of the the week when uh, Disney had their earnings call. And Bob Shapak, the the CEO of Disney, talked about something very interesting. And he, he... he tried to address some of the controversy that had happened with things like Black Widow going to streaming, as well as theaters and other and other um, big big films for them, as well as the decision to not have some like Chang Chi and a few others, which now is on streaming, which is part of what Disney Plus were trying to push with you. And he said, "We're sticking with our plan of flexibility. We're still unsure in terms of how the marketplace is going to react when family films come back with a theatrical first window." What do you think of that? Are they they just hedging their bets to keep people happy so they don't have another Scarlett Johansson lawsuit? Or are they really really committed to theatrical? I think he's always playing into um, the stock price. Yeah. Uh, I I really firmly believe that. So you mean to tell me people are scared to go to movie theaters, but hey, Mr. Chapek, people aren't scared to go to theme parks? Like, you know, could you imagine for a second if we were able to have theme parks in our home, could you imagine that Disney, you know, you would have a hybrid well, day I and date? I, I don't know about park. you, but my home almost is a theme park. I have to be honest. But, but the thing is, is that he preaches this on one side, like, oh, the audience is, we don't know. You know, the audience could be scared about going back. And, and it's like, but it's perfectly fine for them to go to the theme parks and keep those open. Yeah, I think there's a hypocrisy that needs to be kept in check there. And I think this is all about trying to juice the stock. And well, to that what end, happens now as COVID comes. To that the- end, next week is going to see the debut of Hawkeye on Disney Plus. There we're back in the Marvel, we're back in the Marvel mainstream, so to speak, after a brief, a little brief drought um, in the past couple of weeks. 
obviously Jeremy Renner, who's been in, you know, avenging and assembling and been doing his thing for a number of Marvel films, is joining us. But we have a new addition playing Kate Bishop, who is featured in the Hawkeye comics, who is a maybe protege is not the word to use as she kind of drops herself on Hawkeye and demands to be his, his uh, the demands that he become her mentor. But we're very pleased to have with us. Anthony, would you like to introduce our wonderful Oscar nominee and Dickinson alum? The beautiful Haley Steinfeld. Welcome. First thing we have to ask you is, what is it like to be a part of the Marvel Universe now? It is, I feel like I will never not have this same answer, but it is completely surreal uh, to be a part of something so, so massive and, and, and so great. I mean, this is something, you know, a world that means so much to so many people. Uh, there's, a, there's a giant, passionate fan base, uh, you know, ingrained in, in this. And I, I feel so lucky to be a part of it and to be playing a character that is so loved um, by so many. You know, one of the things about Kate is, and certainly for, for people who've been reading the, the Hawkeye solo comics for a number of years, is a very intricate character way, the, the way their relationship manifests and evolves. We don't want any spoilers, obviously, for the series, but can you give us a sense of what were some of the challenges in kind of finding that place? Because obviously Jeremy's Hawkeye is such, you know, he's an Avenger. He's such a part of the MCU. What was the challenges in kind of defining Kate for you as an actor? It was taking what we know and what we know people love about her from the comics, um, implementing that into our version of this character and, and just really finding who she, who she is in our story and what her arc is and what this, what this whole thing, uh, you know, how it was all gonna play out. Um, things were happening fast and on the fly. And, you know, when you're walking into a world that is very much established uh, and you're trying to sort of establish yourself, um, it can be tricky, but I had some incredible support from Jeremy and the filmmakers and the writers uh, and, and, and everyone and anyone involved um, in, in finding who this character uh, is. And I'm so pleased um, and proud of what we, uh, what we came up with. Haley, can you tease for us uh, anything with Yelena Belova? We know she's got a vendetta. We know she's she's she wants to take Clint out. But um, are they frenemies or are they forever enemies? Oh, listen, that much you will have to wait and see. For oh, yourself. my God, you kind of asked for the whole season, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one thing, Haley, it, it, you know, right now, Marvel is going through a transformation. There's a new phase of the MCU evolving. Um, Obviously, we had the Eternals open a couple weeks ago. We've seen snippets on Disney Day of you guys, this amazing car chase scene that seems to go on and on a la bullet in the French connection forever. Um, but I wanted to get a sense from you, what is that like, that, that sort of, because you've always been someone who stepped into places where people didn't expect you to be. Dickinson on Apple being one example, that you know little thing people call an Oscar nomination that you got and stuff like that. So what is that, knowing that this is an evolving machine, how is that for you? It's, it's incredibly exciting to be a part of, of that uh, and that evo this, this evolution. Um, you know, I knew that signing on to this with, with somebody like Jeremy uh, was gonna be great because he was involved and, and, and hearing him talk about how he was so excited about telling this story in a 
you know, longer format as a as a sort of six hour movie as opposed to a two hour movie. Uh, it's given it's given us all the chance to really dig deep into these into these characters and their backstories and um, introduce new characters and new worlds just within this one series. So um, it's just it's uh, it's an honor to be involved in 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 this in general period, but uh, at a time like you mentioned that is really um, a transforming time for them. Are you officially an expert archer now? I mean, can you just hit any, can you hit apples atop of heads? Um, I don't know about expert, but <laughs> we've, we've, we've gotten better. Okay, we are, we have improved. I, I showed up for that first archery lesson thinking I knew exactly what I was uh, in for. Uh, I'd watched enough videos that I, you know, had my form down in my head. I'd practice it in the mirror without the bow and arrow, but still had it down in my head. Uh, and until I got there, um, I was uh, in for the rude awakening that I had a lot of work to do, um, but I've really enjoyed it. It's an incredible sport. Um, and it's, it's something that requires this hyper focus, which is so interesting for a character like Kate, who is very, um, she's very present, but she, the, the, the flashing lights and the shiny objects, uh, definitely excite her and intrigue mm -hmm. her, uh, at times when, uh, that is not what she should be focusing on. So it's, I, I think there's a really interesting thing there that, that, something she is so highly skilled at is something that requires her to be so unbelievably present and focused when all of this is going on around her. And she's also feeling all of that, that is, that is going on around her, that madness and that chaos. You know, you talk about that, you know, a lot of people, when they talk about Marvel roles, they talk about the physicality of them. And I know you mentioned to Jonathan Ross, your dad's a trainer and he really helped you with that. What was that like in finding that mental focus? Because it, it is, a huge part of a role like this in terms of shooting arrows, but also in terms of just hitting your marks literally and figuratively. Mm, mm, absolutely. No, I, I, I set out to physically accomplish certain things, but mentally to, to, I wanted to get to a place where I, because I, in the past have, you know, shown up, uh, showed up on set where um, you're, you're taught a bit of fight choreography or whatever it is. And then you're told like, you know, you only have to do this part and, and that's it. But when you can't see something through, it's, it feels weird, you know, and then it's half you, half a double or, um, you know, you, you wanna be able to, to get in there and at least feel like you can get from point A to point B on your own. And that's hard to do when there's dialogue and emotions and props and, you know, whatever other elements are, are either standing in your way or not. Um, so I wanted to get to a place where I, you know, physically didn't have to, didn't feel like I had, uh, you know, like, like, the, like there was a stretch. Um, and I did. So mentally I felt very confident, um, and just was all about breathing and taking everything one step at a time. Outside of archery, how, what else did you do for training? So I, I, I did train with my dad, uh, who's a personal fitness trainer. Um, and we did uh, a lot of strength training, uh, a lot of cardio just for endurance. That that's also another, a mental thing. You know, when you, when you can keep up, when you have the endurance, you're not thinking about like the fact that you're completely out of breath or you feel weak or, um, you know, you pulled a muscle because you simply ran a, a couple meters, you know, you, you know, it's, it's, it's about being warmed up and having that endurance and stretching and, and doing the sort of more tedious things. Right. It wasn't always about like getting in the gym and running five miles. And until I was sweating so much that I couldn't see, I mean, it wasn't necessarily that it was, um, it was just building that strength and that endurance. 
Haley, we really appreciate you spending some time with us today. I want to ask you one more thing, which is, um, are there any going to be any big surprises here? <laughs> what do you mean? I'm just asking. <laughs> okay, listen, fair, fair question. I can assure you that beyond the two episodes that you might have seen, mm -hmm. there, uh, there is quite a lot that takes place, surprises and all. Loki. Ah! <laughs> she says nothing. Thank you very much, madame. <laughs> Thank you. So thanks, Haley. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Thank you so much for listening into this episode of the Deadline Podcast, Hero Nation. Make sure you subscribe to us so you can keep listening to us. Go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode of our Heroics in Action. And of course, you can find all of our breaking news coverage of TV, film, business, and everything affecting our industry at Deadline.com. Take care. Yay. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.